back, guys. This is a new season of Noah Ash. <gasps> and I don't know, though, we'll be also be coming out in a new Whoa, season, too. That's crazy. We're back, baby. It's wow. summer. School's out. It's it's amazing how and much time we have. Time, and we're free, and we have to yeah. start working and do other things. Yeah, I was gonna say, it's amazing how much time we have before we both find like actual full time jobs, <laughs> right? To take up all of our time, goodness. But today, I want to talk about entertainment. <gasps> it's a big, broad category, it's what we're doing, bud. Yeah, we try, <laughs> we do our best. Some people find us entertaining. That's the dream. I wanted to like specify what entertainment was. What is entertaining, and what does that mean? So okay, that's kind of what I want to like discuss. All right, and so my little um, goal right here I have is explain objectively what makes something entertaining. Taste aside. Okay, so, so taste aside, that's yes. really important there. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I could go into a whole rant about the aesthetics. Oh, I know, and there's all these different styles, and there's mm -hmm. like what people are going for and goals yeah. that aren't necessarily like entertainment. Yeah, I think a good place to start with that might be like the the definition, and so that's like the very first thing I looked up. Okay, was like the def like the Merriam-Webster definition of entertaining is the action of providing or being provided with amusement or enjoyment. So, in in my opinion, that just means that something that like keeps your attention is aesthetically pleasing, mm -hmm. uh, and it kind of elicits some sort of emotion from you. Now, do you think there's some objective qualities that we can like think of later that will apply to like anything? If this applies, that would help it be entertaining. Mm -hmm. I think the elicits emotion is a good one for mm -hmm. that. It's like, if this thing like moves me, if it makes me laugh, it makes me cry, makes me smile, I think that's like a good indicator of something being entertaining. I don't know, something that makes me want to listen to more of it. Yeah. I, I guess I'm thinking in, in context of like our podcast or a podcast in mm -hmm. general. It's like I listen to it if I'm just like soothed by it. There's some scratch there that it's itching, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and I wanted to be really broad with the word entertainment so we could use multiple genres of, or I guess, mediums is uh -huh. what I want to say. And so like video games, they can be entertaining. Movies, mm -hmm. podcasts, music. Mm -hmm. And I was curious if there's anything that, like, we should specifically exclude. So um, things that, like, aren't entertainment? Yeah, but, like, might seem like they'd fall under the category, like, fine art. Mm -hmm. You probably don't want to judge that on, like, whether it's entertaining or not. Mm -hmm. You want to judge it on the craft and the skill and, like, boundaries and whatnot, the yeah. aesthetics of it. Mm -hmm. There's actually this uh, five-layer kind of burrito dip of what they classify entertainment as in the film industry. It's a broad sense of of categorization which actually makes it fit perfectly for this podcast so i probably should have researched it before but basically at the at the top you've got the high entertainment and that's like fine art uh, and the reason those are considered like high entertainment is because you have to be more educated in what those things are uh, in order to look at them and be like oh this is entertaining i find this entertaining because of the line work used in this fine art and because of like, all of the the strokes and the passion that you can read behind a jackson pollock painting now if something is high entertainment is it more entertaining or because it appeals to less people wouldn't that make it generally less entertaining see i think that's the the argument i was trying to get from you there so mm -hmm. i think what you're wanting to do with this is exclude that that upper level so it's yeah i almost want something to be appealing to the most number of people possible. Yeah. And how can we do that? And what qualities make something that? I think what we could put that into is, hmm, okay, so something that appeals to the masses, so that doesn't need any reference. So like you don't have to do research mm -hmm. to understand it. Something that, I don't know, would you say something that's like 
eccentric is more entertaining. The more over the top something is, the more entertaining it is. It could be. I feel like there's definitely like a threshold where it pushes too far. I know like now like news is oversaturated with these mm-hmm. like highline topics. I'm not entertained by those. Like I won't even look at them when there's just like, oh, clearly you're trying to grab my attention. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's because I know the article won't be as entertaining as the headline. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that doesn't necessarily draw my attention. So mm-hmm. maybe eccentric stuff yeah. may or may not be depending. Okay. So like in terms of this like hierarchy I'm talking about, this would be considered the lower middle tier it's separated in five it's high upper middle lower middle low and then there's folk art and para cinema or whatever but uh yeah so like right there in the middle is kind of where you find things like the big summer blockbusters you find mm-hmm. like your marvel movies you find like that kind of stuff where it's really colorful and vibrant and the story doesn't necessarily matter, but it still is like entertaining to a large group of people because of that. Now, what I consider entertaining is usually like in this level and actually in the level right above where it's more like you've got to know a little bit more of the backstory. Whereas like mm-hmm. Marvel could be argued to be in this one or the or the one above because the MCU in, in theory, like you mm-hmm. could read the comics and have this like supplemental mm-hmm. material to be like, oh yeah, that's you. Have yeah, and to most have that. of them are relatively yeah. isolated. Mm-hmm. But like recently, Endgame came out, mm-hmm. and you can watch it without all the other ones. But they don't really cater to that audience. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like so. There's a few characters that they don't necessarily explain, and like mm-hmm. some plot points and jokes that aren't like meant for yeah. everyone. And see, I think that's like the beauty of the MCU is that while you don't have to have all this other knowledge, having this other knowledge does add an extra layer of, of dimension to it. Because mm-hmm. I know people who don't like superheroes that are like oh yeah i saw endgame it was all right it mm-hmm. was good <laughs> but like people who like superheroes and are like super into like this whole universe they're like oh my god i fucking loved it i laughed i cried uh-huh. i cried again and then i laughed some more <laughs> so my brother asked me about it and he had seen mm-hmm. most of the movies mm-hmm. and I, he took his wife to it and so i was curious what she had to say so i was asking her about it and like what she thought and she like yeah. cried in the first two minutes because mm-hmm. there's like a sad thing and i was like oh so it can elicit emotion and be entertaining without mm-hmm. her knowing who the character is because mm-hmm. it's relatable in a different way and that makes it like perfect that's like kind of that what i'm looking for yeah mm-hmm. that's that definition that i'm like yeah. okay they can make something that's even more relatable to people who know about it but can still work for people who don't mm-hmm. so you want something mm-hmm. that's in that area so yeah i think it, it's probably a good decision to take out like fine art experimental media and this is a this is a tough subject for me because what i really like is like that upper level where it makes you think a little yeah. bit but the <laughs> bigger like more bloated category is for definitely sure. the one below. So that's like where the Oscars come in. And people mm-hmm. are like, I've never heard of half these movies. Mm-hmm. Why are they the like ones that are up for things? Mm-hmm. And then you watch it and you're like, I don't know if I really like that. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's all these like film majors or mm-hmm. whatever. Like there's that some is, like fancy people like, yeah. that are like being the judges there. Yeah, so. that is precisely what goes in the uh, the upper middle is Academy, like recommended movies, mm-hmm. uh, movies that come out of uh, film festivals like Sundance. But yeah, no, so like, it's funny that it's like, I want to be up in that category. Like, yeah. that's, that's the stuff I really like. <laughs> yeah, and I want to but, talk about that, but I think you need like a baseline mm-hmm. of like, oh, this is things that could like really. So yeah, I think, I think Endgame, a lot of the Marvel movies are good like baseline. And even Star Wars now, Star Wars is falling into that category where it's just like, oh yeah, everybody knows about it. Mm-hmm. And it can kind of entertain everybody, but it's still got that extra layer that can add more. All right, so I was going to go down and look through i have some words here and then i just kind of want to discuss this topic see if like you think it would be good or bad or necessary Mm -hmm. for it to be entertaining my first thing is does something need to have replayability in my personal opinion yeah because i like to go back and see more 
because films that are like really well done, you are going to be able to watch them multiple times. And I guess I'm speaking specifically to films here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking like these words, like if you want to think about it, like music, I kind of want to be able to listen to the same song mm-hmm. over and over again yeah. instead of just once. Or I want to be able to play a board game multiple times and mm-hmm. feel like I still get something out of it each time. Yeah, have multiple outcomes for mm-hmm. that. Yeah, so. I think replayability is a big part of something's entertainment value because something can be entertaining, but you can only see it one time. And have like that be like all I'm trying to think of an mm-hmm. example off the top of my head. If it really was entertaining and you didn't want to go back to it, mm-hmm. was it entertaining? Can you really enjoy something and then not want to go back to it? Yes. Yes. My ex. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. While it lasted. <laughs> Got it. No. Um, I mean, I think so, because I think there's something about having just that moment. And maybe I'm getting a little bit too, like, mm-hmm. philosophical with it and whatever. But, like, there's a big push. I read an article the other day. It's, like, millennials are spending less money on physical items and more money on experiences. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I am on board with it, but I also like my physical items. Yeah. So, But there is something to be said about, like, that intangible oh, I was here in that moment. Mm -hmm. And so it was entertaining, but that's all it was. I'll let it have that moment. But I suppose in the... But I feel like our younger generation tries to turn things into more, Mm -hmm. you know, with social media and stuff, tries Mm -hmm. to make it tangible, make the intangible tangible and like Mm -hmm. photograph the moment so they can like relive it and stuff. Mm -hmm. But like still like being in that moment, it's like, uh, it's like when you're trying to retell a joke an experience you had it's like oh so and so did this and they did this and everyone laughed and then it wasn't funny to like other people it's like Mm -hmm. oh had to be there it's like so there's something about those moments that are very explicitly entertaining but for some reason looking back after the fact it's not so i think had to be there jokes definitely fall into there because they are mass appealing so a question i kind of wanted to ask earlier that i didn't think about does something have to be good to be entertaining no no, okay. No. Because I didn't think so. And the way you said that joke, it's like, oh, it might not appeal later. Mm-hmm. So maybe it wasn't a good joke, but since we were all in the moment living it together, mm-hmm. it did elicit the joy. It did do the things that require the definition mm-hmm. of entertainment. Yeah, no. And there's like trash cinema. Some people love like B-movies mm-hmm. and like trash aesthetics and whatever. It's not particularly my thing. That being said, I do like trash new media where it's like YouTube videos. There's something about like grungy gorilla style of video someone shot on their phone of them mm-hmm. doing like a sick skateboard trick and then just completely failing mm-hmm. it's like i love that <laughs> it's so <laughs> it's so real that person actually got hurt <laughs> and that just it's it feeds my little like you but know, objectively whatever. from your film school and learning it's like it's not good yeah <laughs> like they didn't meet any of the rules they didn't mm-hmm. intentionally break any of them it's still like brought out joy and mm-hmm. things like that so brought out joy just see a kid break his skateboard and mm-hmm. rack himself whatever it is <laughs> but oh. the, yeah no it def- definitely not good is another term we could have an entire episode about mm-hmm. and in, in one of my film classes we talked about what makes something good it's so hard to wrap your head around the systems that are in place for aesthetics and film qualities and entertainment for what makes something like good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's so hard to, to argue that. When I was trying to think of like, is good and entertainment different? Mm-hmm. I was trying to like see what would be the example of that. And what came to my mind was like an Adam Sandler movie. Okay. Where it's like, I can sit through it and I can laugh and have a good time, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to go like recommend it to everyone around mm-hmm. me. 
And it's like, is that just like the shame of having gone and seen an Adam Sandler movie <laughs> in the theater? I don't so. think I've ever seen an Adam Sandler movie in the theater. Oh, really? <laughs> but I've owned a few DVDs. I think I saw Jack and Jill in the theaters. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, not even like real Adam That's not like yeah, that's classic not, good. Yeah, like, that's not like Waterboy or um, uh-huh. what's the other 50 one? 51st Dates yeah. or something like that. Like those are like grown the, ups. I might have seen grown ups in theaters. I saw grown ups on a bus, actually. <laughs> hey. Uh, it was no. <laughs> I mean, you know, actually, if anything, that's the place that movie was meant to be watched. <laughs> it was meant to be watched going fifty miles an hour on a charger bus. There it is. <laughs> but yeah, no, like definitely, there's that edge. But yeah, you were saying I cut you off. <laughs> oh, I was just saying that, like, yeah, an Adam Sandler movie is something that I would enjoy, mm-hmm. not having to think about it. But mm-hmm. like, if I had to break it down and really write, like, what made this a good movie? I don't know if I could. I think just like that quality of making people laugh like whatever you say about adam sandler movies like whether you hate them or love them you cannot deny the mass appeal to them Mm -hmm. which is why they fit our criteria because they are successful (laughs) yeah people go nuts for these movies and i personally don't understand why but Mm -hmm. the masses have spoken i suppose yeah and that's something that i was wondering is does popularity slash community equal entertaining can you not have a following and still be something entertaining? So we are getting into dangerous territory here because we're playing with uh, your brackets that we've set. Mm-hmm. So I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Something that doesn't have a following can be entertaining. There's tons of like, especially now, like YouTube channels, people who like put art films or their student films on like Vimeo or Facebook or Instagram or whatever. There's tons of these like micro media accounts that are good. Mm-hmm. It's just they don't have a following yet. Or they may never have a following because now our entire society's basis for fame and finding new things to be entertaining is set upon an algorithm, mm-hmm. which if you don't know how to play it, and you don't know how to do things right, then uh-huh. a lot of times you're not going to get found. Yeah, and a lot of it is like being already a part of the system mm-hmm. and like integrating yourself real early on. You have to be a part of that grid. Yeah, because I was wondering, I was like, financial success. Clearly, the Marvel movies are making millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. They must be doing something right. Mm-hmm. Does that make them more entertaining than, say, a small YouTube channel who only has 50 followers? Yeah, that's like mm-hmm. an extremely subjective mm-hmm. statement. But I think in the parameters of what we've said at the beginning we would have to say no, right? Because mm-hmm. we've already said it as whatever appeals to like the masses. And so if it doesn't appeal to the masses, then I guess it's no? less entertaining. Yeah. But that's but like, if we play with like the elicits joy thing, mm-hmm. then you could go like the ratio of people mm-hmm. who found joy out of this might be higher for the YouTube channel mm-hmm. and lower for the movie, but the total would be higher for the movie and mm-hmm. lower for the YouTube channel. And so which one do you look at? Do you look at the total or the percentage? Uh, I think I'd look at the... It depends on how you're looking. I, this is some like philosophy stuff I know. <laughs> uh, that you're throwing out there. I think if you're looking at like you know what would bring the most joy to people, I think I'd rather look at the percentage. Yeah, uh, I think I would agree. Like if you had a YouTube channel and you had 50 views and 50 likes, mm-hmm. that's a better review than 100 million people seeing Avengers Endgame mm-hmm. and only getting a 75 on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, that's uh-huh. okay. That, that fits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just doing doing thoughts and calculations. And yeah, I don't know. Those 50 there. likes might pass the 75% of the 100 million. Yeah, I mean, well, I think the a better analogy for that might be like, so it's got the 50-50, but only four people have seen it. 
mm-hmm. versus like if that scales with like a Marvel movie, I think. With a Marvel movie, it may not scale. It could be like you show it to four people and three of them hate it and one of them love it. Uh, whereas this video, it could be that way every time where it's like two and two. So I think that's the better way to look at entertainment on like a small scale. But it gets tough to like scale that stuff up because you'll yeah. never know because that person may never have more than four views on their channel. Yeah. I guess I mentioned to you last night I watched a video where Paddington 2 was like the only movie on Rotten Tomatoes to have a 100% like. Mm-hmm. Is that because Paddington 2 only attracted people that would like Paddington 2? They had a decent audience. It's not like nobody yeah. saw it and they just mm-hmm. like happened to like, like their own video kind of thing. Yeah. That's one area where it's like they're kind of big and they got lots of likes. But is that because they attracted the right audience? I would mm-hmm. say it's probably partially attribu- attributed to that because... People who saw Paddington 1 and didn't like it definitely didn't go and see Paddington 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess what sequels in general do is narrow their audience down based on, like, past experiences. So, like, the Fast and Furious movies are, like, a good example of that. Like, their their audience has gotten so narrow that they're down to the exact formula that makes a good movie for their demographic, yeah. <laughs> which is The Rock, Explosions... <laughs> And fast and, cars. And <laughs> fast cars that you jump out of in the middle. Yeah. Or no, not... Yeah, the rock. Fast cars and, and yeah. furious people. <laughs> it, it may not even be the rock. It's just like bald, ripped dude. Yeah. Because <laughs> wasn't it uh, Vin Diesel in the earlier ones? Yeah. Is Vin Diesel still in this one? I don't know. Or is... They're making some sort of spinoff one that has the rock and then like, someone yeah, who the, looks kind of like Shaw. Vin Diesel, but I don't know who it is. It might be following another story, part uh-huh. of like... Yeah, I think it's just made by like the producers and it's like in yeah. association with the the Fast and Furious cinematic universe. But I think it's like in the title, it's like Hobbs and Shaw by Fast and Furious. Yeah. So <laughs> mm-hmm. Could you imagine like having to make a project that just bears the name of your previous projects in order to achieve get views success. Yeah. It's like if I forever was just like humorish in association with mainstream mix in association yeah. with a giant midget in association with like all of my previous whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, I would hate that. It's just like dragging my name through all of this stuff. It's like, no, I want to make something new that people like, not just because I made it. But I've gotten off track here. Where were we? I guess I was talking earlier about how my sister cried at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, relatability. That seems like a quality, especially in movies. Do you want to see a relatable character? Yeah. And I was curious, is that necessary for entertainment? I don't think it's necessary, but mm-hmm. I think you're going to see a, a quote-unquote regular guy mm-hmm. in almost any movie that has a complex world that mm-hmm. they're like trying to build. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. You're following this guy who has no idea what's going on, mm-hmm. and thus, as he is learning he is acting as kind of like a, a port key for the audience to also be learning. And so, no, I don't think it's always necessary to have your relatable character, but it does make it easier to explain complex plots, and it is definitely easier to have someone to root for. Let's say like Harry Potter. It's something where it transports you into a mystical world, mm-hmm. and you want to be transported into a mystical world, but do you still need that relatable character or something relatable to latch onto, or is it too jarring if there isn't? Uh, I think at first, I think at first you need that, especially for these like mainstream successes to happen. I think that's kind of the issue with, what is it, like Maze Runner or whatever. Yeah. I feel like in those movies, you're just kind of dropped in that world and not really like given mm-hmm. anything. And for a mass audience, it's really hard to do that and keep them mm-hmm. entertained, especially now because we are in a world of swipe left, swipe right. And whether you're actually on Tinder or not, that doesn't matter. It's just like, immediacy like yeah. having the ability to choose whatever and if it doesn't meet your expectations immediately you're like eh. i was with my family this weekend and 
my mom, aunt, and uncle, dad, and all were talking, and they're saying mm-hmm. how they're going to go home and read, but they're only going to read two pages, and then they're going to mm-hmm. fall asleep, and then they're like, well, the next time they have to read the two pages again because mm-hmm. they fell asleep during it, and they're like, can't we just have like a ten-page book where my two pages are enough to get far enough? And it's like, <laughs> well, that defeats the whole purpose of the yeah. medium. But again, like even someone who's older and not necessarily in that like swipe right, swipe left typical group, mm-hmm. they're like can't things just be sped up for me? Can't I just get my thing right away? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's part of the issue is like mm-hmm. humans have thought that forever. It's like, can't we just have this now? Mm-hmm. Can't we just do this now? That has led to the innovation mm-hmm. of having this immediacy, which now has become a problem because <laughs> we're not patient. Like people yep. don't want to wait for shit. We're just getting closer and closer to that. But then we yeah. find other things that we want also to be closer mm-hmm. to that. But yeah, like, and Jimmy John's isn't helping. All right. <laughs> freaky fast. When Jimmy John's is so fast, and then I'm like, I want a seven-course meal. And they're like, here. But Jimmy John's <laughs> at the same time, yeah. Just like, at Jimmy John's, you're like, I want, uh, and they're like, number nine, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> like, but then I go to Red Lobster, and they don't do that, and I'm upset, because I'm yeah. like, Jimmy John's can do it, why can't you? <laughs> yeah. Why can't you know that I want the lobster tail mm-hmm. with shrimp scallops or whatever? <laughs> Amazon knows what I want before I even do with their That's ads. True. So like, Amazon knows when I'm out of everyone? batteries. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, hey, are you out of batteries? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I guess I am. <laughs> Who told you? <laughs> Is there cameras? Do you keep cameras in your old yeah. batteries? I mean, I guess I'm not complaining. Yeah. I mean, thanks. I almost <laughs> you know, ran out. I need those. But yeah, no, like for all of time, I feel like we've been wanting to get faster and faster. And mm-hmm. now we have to deal with the repercussions of our of our sins, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything else to add to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was thinking we do some D&D, and mm-hmm. that is another scenario where immersion is kind of the goal. It's to mm-hmm. get out of the real world, be your fantasy character, mm-hmm. but when this world comes around you, all your decisions are already kind of influenced by who you are mm-hmm. and, like, what they did. And I feel like the desire to root your character in, like, real decisions Mm -hmm. is something where it's like, oh, I want to be relatable somehow. Mm -hmm. Even if it's not to me, I want to be relatable to someone. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think I could see that. I don't know. When I play D&D, and this is the part of the podcast where you lose all the normal listeners. Just like (laughs) people who are like, oh, D&D. Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) Go go play with your your LARPing equipment and put on your hat. Roll it. D30 or something. Yeah, a D12. Now we lost our actual nerds. Yeah, now now they're all mad at us. Like, don't make fun of us preemptively. They Uh didn't know. (laughs) Some people didn't know what D&D was. Some people thought it was like that tire place. Um, (laughs) But, like, no, in D&D, I think... See, I play it a little bit different. I want a character that Mm -hmm. I maybe have almost no connection to, but except Mm -hmm. for... Like, the base feelings, kind yeah. of. I don't know. The The relatability for me comes from, like, an acting standpoint. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I want to be able to re- relate to this character so I can make realistic decisions. Decisions. Wow, I can't talk. Realistic <laughs> decisions as them and go on. But I could, yeah, I guess I, it, there's a, that underlying desire to be understood by others that mm-hmm. we just kind of innately have. It's part of being a social yeah. creature. So when creating those, like, characters, and this can apply to books and movies and stuff, too. Does the entertaining value of the relatability come from it being universally relatable or like just relatable to you or someone you've seen? I think it comes from a little bit of the universal like relatability because once again, we are talking about like these like big picture kind of projects where Mm -hmm. we want to feel like we belong. It's like horoscopes, Mm -hmm. having these general things and telling people essentially it's like this applies to you. Then people want to believe it's like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, that is me. You know, it's like, oh, my God, you know me. And everyone wants to be known. And everyone wants to, like, be understood. Yeah. And so 
having that universality the wide sweeping yeah yeah. Like it helps people mm-hmm. get more involved in these worlds where it's just like, oh yeah, I understand this guy. Mm. It's so, like um uh, having the the uh, the guy in in Black Panther. Oh, he Warmonger plays or Killmonger? No, 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 no. Not not Michael B. Jordan. No. Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman. Yeah, it's like having Martin Freeman in uh And he Black is Panther. Black Panther. He is No, no. Mar- Martin Freeman is the white guy in Black Panther. So unfortunately, in the film industry, so that movie was a big deal because they hired, you know, ton of African-American actors and mm-hmm. workers to be in it and help it. Uh, and it, it pushed like this social kind of agenda. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, a lot of the audiences of these uh, Marvel movies are predominantly, I don't, I don't want to say predominantly straight white males because they are a little bit like the movies are a little bit campy themselves. Mm-hmm. But like. There's a lot of um, Caucasian audience that goes and see these movies. And so having Martin Freeman in there, mm-hmm. even though he, as an actor, is from the UK, it gives that majority audience mm-hmm. something to focus on. Be like, oh, yeah, this is the relatable character in this movie. Yeah, world. I see. Okay. Yeah, he, so, he was yeah. like that, that focal point. Mm-hmm. And just like to kind of go off on a little bit of a tangent, there was a funny... He was also an Hitchhiker's Guide, right? Yeah, that's he right. He was. <laughs> this is Martin Freeman, the podcast. He is entertaining. That's what we're finding out. Is I mean, Martin honestly, Freeman. though, I really like him. Uh, he was in Sherlock, too. He played Watson. Yep. Fucking great. Goddamn. Love him. <laughs> He's got such like a, a plain but adorable face. <laughs> yeah. It's like just unique enough, but like... Mm-hmm relatable enough yeah and he's got like the he's got like that little like ball nose which mm-hmm. lets him play like the fantasy characters so like mm-hmm. that's why he was able to be the hobbit and, he's, and people are like oh yeah yeah look at him look at him go and then he grew a mustache in season three of sherlock and people are like oh take it off you're not whimsical anymore and then anyway sorry i'm going about martin freeman uh no there's a funny tweet about him that i read uh soon after black panther came out where it's like Shout out to Martin Freeman being the relatable white guy in Black Panther, who was around to do just enough to help uh, as much as he was comfortable <laughs> doing for the black community or something. <laughs> I was like, Ooh, that's, I mean, social commentary, hooray. Yeah. But it helps with things a lot. Smooth mm-hmm. it over. If you know what your audience is, who your audience is, and you can have your relatable character be someone in that. And I think that's a good way to set demographic just in general is like, the main story is about this, but you know your target demographic that has all the money is this. So if you make your main character yeah. so matching we can that target, funnel them in, yeah, then they can like see the entertaining that's outside of just mm-hmm. the relatability. Exactly, that like really helps with those mm-hmm. kinds of movies. So yeah, you don't necessarily need to be relatable, but to get the audience, it's mm-hmm. kind of necessary. I mean, unfortunately, in entertainment, it's all about money. the The relatable guy helps you get the money, but the overarching story helps communicate your message to the audience you're actually trying to get to. Social um, science, or whatever, <laughs> <yeah>. I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. They're just talking about like entertainment, which seems kind of like a lighthearted thing, but mm-hmm. it kind of dives into a little bit of philosophy and a little bit of social commentary and things. Yeah, like that. I mean, I I think what makes good entertainment for me is something that just has something to say. In my script writing courses, they were always saying that the best movies have a message whatever message you're trying to say you're going to tell it with this story and it's going to be way more basic than you think it is it's about a boy who meets a girl and then he loses her and then he gets her Mm -hmm. but the message could be about racism or about abortion or about whatever you have this base story it's just now up to you to tell your message using this base story Mm -hmm. should something that's entertaining be easy to consume for mass audiences yes yes (laughs) For Mm -hmm. niche audiences, not always. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're trying to get popularity, then yeah, it has to be something that's like you can sit down and 
halfway watch it or whatever. That's how you get into aesthetics of like television because television and sitcoms almost always follow the same formulas. Mm -hmm. So look at like The Big Bang Theory or mm -hmm. anything Chuck Lore. All looks the same. Or Chuck Laurie, is that how you say his name? I don't remember. But like all of his stuff is exactly the same. It's like the perfect formula for sitcom television. It's very bright and colorful. It's got high key lighting, which means you can see everything. Mm -hmm. There's no like dynamic dark shadows that are dramatic. Yeah. Uh, it all looks very much on a set, but every six minutes it has that like whoop, and then it brings back in the the theme song really loud so that you can be in another room yeah and like know it's coming on or you can be doing something else while it's happening it's a pavlovian response exactly where you hear the like it conditions in you. big bang theory it's like the atom swooping around mm -hmm. and so you hear that and you're like oh big bang's on maybe mm -hmm. i should watch it or something yeah basically it's just the formula you follow allows you to not have to look at it you literally can put on shit in the background that i'm not listening to or that i'm not watching but i'm like listening to kind of half-heartedly while mm -hmm. i'm doing something else on my phone does it have to be uh easy to consume or something yeah easy to consume it's like i think it does better mm -hmm. if it is easy to consume uh which is kind of the point i was trying to drive across with like big bang theory because that is wildly successful mm -hmm. like that show has been going on for just way too long uh and they it's, are ending though so. are they yeah. okay well that's good <laughs> um, but like I, i'm not a huge fan of big bang theory yeah but the fact that it's easy to consume makes it super super popular now big bang almost masks itself as like high media a little bit do you think that's an important quality is that they like try to make themselves seem higher talking about science and nerds mm -hmm. things that most people don't know about but they talk about it in such simple terms that it'd be impossible mm -hmm. not to be able to follow them I think it never hurts to compliment mm -hmm. your audience. Yeah, so they feel uh, superior to them mm -hmm. what they already I mean, are. you could take Rick and Morty, for example. Mm -hmm. It became a whole thing that only intellectuals watch Rick and mm -hmm. Morty because Rick and Morty is nothing but space science and, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can't just put a sci-fi word next to a car word and expect it to be something. <laughs> Grab me yeah. the quantum carburetor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it the quantum carburetor? It's like, ah, no. It's subatomic battery. Yeah, that's what <laughs> That complimenting the audience never, ever hurts you. But yeah, with Rick and Morty, there's nothing that like they don't tell you explicitly mm -hmm. that you need to know beforehand to understand it. Exactly. So, and that's what good, easily uh -huh. consumable media does. But they make you think that you might have needed to know this thing, and mm -hmm. so you feel smarter. Exactly. It looks like you're watching high media then. Mm -hmm. In a sense, but yeah. Yeah. Talk about relatability, replayability. Then there's originality. Do you think that's necessary for something to be entertained? It's not. No, nope. <laughs> it's not at all. We <laughs> talked about sitcoms, yeah. the same formula. Everything's been done before. Yeah, like if anything, when networks are looking for new products to put out, they actually will choose something that has a very similar formula to what has been done before over mm -hmm. something that is original. And it could be like something original and like really good, but it breaks that formula just a bit too much. And they have this other thing that's like, oh yeah, this is the same as blank it's like two broke girls but instead mm -hmm. it's two rich girls who, who like end up being broke or mm -hmm. it's two african-american dudes who are off on an adventure with their mm -hmm. white friend and it's got like the same formulas over and over and over again mm -hmm. especially since like friends like everyone mm -hmm. tries and follows tries to follow like the friends kind of uh, yeah and formula. then there's like how i met your mother where it's mm -hmm. like the same like group of five mm -hmm. and they're all just and having then, dynamics uh, with each other yeah and so it's all the same mm -hmm. but uh as far as being successful, the powers that be kind of choose that um, because they can choose like 
the right time slots to put in like in front of people's faces mm -hmm. and like all of this kind of stuff. So originality financially leads to more success. And as far as popularity, I think does too. It's just mm -hmm. kind of like those two kind of go hand in hand. But it all depends on what you're looking for because like original stuff often isn't easy to find. That's kind of that scenario where mm -hmm. it's like you can use the formula, but if you don't do it just right, you can like hit a snag and people won't like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it just gets it. Aesthetics is hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Arguing entertainment <laughs> is hard. This is a this is a hell of an episode to start season two on. I know. Because it's, it's just down here hell after this, because I definitely haven't researched the rest of them <laughs> no, quite okay. as well. You got all afternoon. Oh, it'll be fun. <laughs> it'll be fine. <laughs> I guess we can wrap up on this thing. Um, do you think there needs to be progression? And I specifically wrote constant progression. So let's say in a TV show, your characters need to evolve and grow mm -hmm. and not just be the same one single arc the entire time. Or in a video game, is grinding to beat the next gym a bad thing? Because it's not like progression. You're mm -hmm. just like working at it. Um, well, I think in, in like the scenario of the grinding to meet the next gym, there is progression. It's player progression rather than mm -hmm. like specific character arcs. Because that gets hard in things like RPGs and stuff where I want this character to like have an arc, but you're controlling them the whole time. The character arc is there as far as storyline, but you are controlling it. Mm -hmm. So like in video games, it gets a little bit harder to distinguish that i think my argument for it at least would be you're no longer arguing for character arc arguing for um operator arc i guess is what you consider it so like the player themselves would change as the so what i was thinking about this was pokemon mm -hmm. uh, i played the older ones so i don't know how the newer ones flow and stuff mm -hmm. but you are on a singular path yeah and so you are railroaded it's not like a sandbox where it's like oh of course some mm -hmm. areas are going to be harder you need to grind to be mm -hmm. able to get to that area so you are railroaded in one direction, which I think is fine. But there's points where just like beating the players along the road, mm -hmm. getting hit in the grass a couple times mm -hmm. isn't enough. And then you just have to start running through the grass over and over again mm -hmm. and fighting and leveling up two or three times. Is that inherently unentertaining when it's forced to grinding just to prolong the game per se? I would say no. I don't know. I think there's a right and wrong way to do it. And obviously Pokemon found like a good way to do it mm -hmm. because, you know, they're extremely popular. I think part of what Pokemon did was they did the, you know, the gotta catch them all. Mm -hmm. And so it just became less about grinding. I think what drove mass popularity is like there's what are there, like a thousand different Pokemon uh -huh. now. I might be exaggerating. I also might not. I don't know. No, I think <laughs> but, it's like at least 900. Jesus, man. That's so many. <laughs> I remember when it was 107 or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, I played, last Pokemon I played was Pokemon Yellow. <laughs> okay which is yeah. which is the pikachu one yeah we got a little pikachu outside like following you yeah like, and you need oh, a yeah. game boy color to play that hell yeah <laughs> so the game becomes more of a collection and so it has its own subset of people that like the would hit that demographic so it's like people who like to collect things people who mm -hmm. like to do the grind like i'm okay with that every now and then like i loved destiny 2 like and that mm -hmm. game is almost nothing but grinding just to get to high enough levels to do the next like story missions even because i guess with specifically to pokemon they created another element where your grind doesn't have to be a grind because it can be a chance to catch new pokemon mm -hmm. or try out new moves and like see the different things yeah and whereas destiny it's a chance to get more loot which is always kind of nice and fun and exciting some games aren't as good at like masking that and mm -hmm. it's like oh you're just killing things to level up and we'll throw mm -hmm. loot your way yeah. Whereas Destiny like makes a little game out of it and it's mm -hmm. like, oh, there's this little Yeah. I think Pokemon kind of does that too, except mm -hmm. for it's like 
it's almost like optional loot which i mean i guess i don't know like, pokemon could have just set the original standard for grind games yeah because it's like you're fighting things to level up so you can fight bigger things mm -hmm. uh but along the way you inadvertently kind of earn the ability to get other pokemon that can help you more so like if you're gonna go into the rock gym you kind of learn pretty quick that electric type pokemon don't do well mm -hmm. in there and so you're like oh i want to use an earth pokemon or yeah. i want to use a, a water pokemon and maybe you're grinding because you didn't decide to pick the right pokemon mm -hmm. and something like that and yeah so. and so like you're either a grinding to get a better move uh level up your pokemon mm -hmm. or you're looking for a specific pokemon mm -hmm. and so in doing that i think like a lot of modern games have kind of just taken that formula they've taken choice away from the character where it's like yeah. oh yeah now you get randomized loot you can't like yeah we'll just give go. you a glyph and then you mm -hmm. can cash that in as opposed yeah. to like you can choose whether or not you want to catch it or mm -hmm. things like that and so i don't think that makes it less entertaining mm -hmm. uh at all i think it just mm -hmm. changes the demographic so in this scenario replayability mm -hmm. is almost more important than constant progression for the entertaining value I would say so. Because if uh, you can come back and want to grind, that mm -hmm. seems more important than like, oh, I have to grind, but I'm still moving forward. I think there's an argument for either way because in both you are making progression. It's just one, you're doing it faster. Whereas like you look at a game like Pokemon versus something like, let's say like Breath of the Wild might. I haven't, I haven't played a whole lot of it, but I've seen some gameplay. Uh, maybe Mario Odyssey mm -hmm. where you're just like, you're pretty much just going through the levels. You mm -hmm. can just like go through everything one shot. You don't need to like go back and do everything again, but it is replayable. In the grand scheme of things, both of those games are good. They just appeal to different audiences. And see, this brings up something that I didn't realize earlier is like with the easy to consume thing, mm -hmm. there is too easy to consume. Because mm -hmm. with like games, if you can just like walk right through it, that's no mm -hmm. fun. That's yeah. like defeats the purpose of having a game. Mm -hmm. And in a book, if they tell you how it's going to end and there's no like mm -hmm. mystery or anything, that's no fun either. I don't know. You Have you read John Dies in the End? Nope. That's a pretty good book. Yeah. But, John Dies in the End. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but, uh, you can know how Harry Potter happens, like mm -hmm. the general idea of it. The fun is the road and the path and the mm -hmm. journeys and the twists along the way. Do you think there is like too easy to consume? I think there is. Mm -hmm. We've run in that before, run into that before with like video games where like we started playing something and we're just like, oh, yeah. this is just the same. <laughs> we're just walking through. Yeah, yeah. We're just like playing this. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to talk about because it's all the same. And so like, especially mm -hmm. in our hobbyist interactions, uh -huh. like even we've noticed there's things that are too easy, yeah. I suppose. Like if you want someone to get to the second floor, you don't want to give them a rock wall because mm -hmm. they might not be able to do that. You don't want to give them an escalator because it'll just carry them. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of like want some stairs or something. Yeah, where something it's like, like in between. They feel like they're working towards it, but mm -hmm. it's not like made to be difficult necessarily. Yeah. Uh, and that's like, a, it's a hard line to do. And that's why there's so many games and movies mm -hmm. that are flops because it's like they come so close to doing it. But like what differentiates those two is like, you know, extra inch on those steps or mm -hmm. whatever, you know? So it like makes them work just a little bit for it, uh, but they know they're going to get it. But yeah, no, I think that's a good good way to look at it like stairs instead of a rock wall and then when it comes to the niche group and taste some people might want that rock wall with mm -hmm. a game like dark souls or something where it's like mm -hmm. intentionally difficult or a movie that's like a murder mystery where they don't necessarily like give you all the clues at the mm -hmm. end and you just kind of like have to assume how it ended like an inception or something mm -hmm. where at the very end it's like 
is he in a dream or not? And then they don't tell you. And then so mm-hmm. it's like, oh, so that's kind the of the rock wall because you have to like figure it out. And mm-hmm. maybe there intentionally isn't an answer. Yeah, it's kind of like that whole like leaving some of it up to your audience. And I guess you could classify it kind of under the like uh, complimenting your audience, just being like, you're smart enough to figure out what happens next. Yeah. Some people don't like that. Like, you know, there's like the that whole taste argument. But I think as a mass appeal, definitely what makes that popular is the fact that it's easy enough to consume but not too easy. Mm-hmm. So what have we learned today, Noah? Uh, we've learned a lot of stuff. Things like replayability is a good thing to have. Progression may or may not be necessary for entertainment. Um, originality and popularity have all their own little factors in it. Mm-hmm. You kind of want it to be easy and you want, for entertainment purposes, you want it to appeal to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But there's so many different options for mm-hmm. what is good, what is entertainment, what do you find entertaining personally yeah. versus what I do. Just getting um, that whole taste argument, dude. Right? It's just so we bad. tried to name some things that would overall never be a bad thing mm-hmm. and just apply to anything. Um, tell us how we did. Thanks for watching or listening or watching wherever you're at. Yeah. You can get us on YouTube, Spotify. Apple Podcasts. We're a lot of places. We might be uh, on Apple Podcasts. We might be. Now. We're trying. <laughs> We're trying. We're doing what we can. <laughs> um, but you can find us. Yeah, thanks for showing up for our next season. I'm excited. Thank you, Joey, for being here wow. with me. Man, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Ah, do you, you know. want to tell people where they can contact us if they want to give us topics yeah, or questions? Yeah, bro, you can just check out that description. Check out that email. That's uh, humorish.tm at gmail.com. Hey. If you ever want to help us out and give us some topics, because, you know, we always struggle with it mm-hmm. a little bit. And, you know, uh, eventually we might have a Patreon where you guys can go and uh, talk to us there. But uh, but it helps with that relatability factor. If you have a topic you want us to talk about, yeah, you then guys we can, can be relatable. could be like, hey, you guys should talk about Pokemon more. I want to <laughs> hear what you guys have to say about the sun and moon. Or... And then I'd be like, I only play Fire Red. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I, I literally only own Silver and Yellow. So... <laughs> It's like on the Game Boy Color. <laughs> I own Pokemon Go. Is that good enough? Yeah, I don't even. I yeah, I haven't touched a DS since I was like thirteen. Same. That's so wild. Like mobile gaming, as I got older, just became less of a part of my life. Yep. It's just like I I don't do it. Yeah. Well, like, you have less time to game in general, mm-hmm. and then whenever you're on the go, you're actively like driving or something. Mm-hmm. Whereas a kid, you're like in the backseat. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, handheld games were just made to shut kids up, Uh and it works. Yep. (laughs) It works really well. No, I know so many parents who give their kids, like, just iPads now, because they're Mm -hmm. like, you can't knock it until you're on a plane, and they're screaming for three hours, and then they (laughs) instantly shut up when they have an iPad. Yeah, it's like, people are like, oh my god, these kids are being ruined Mm -hmm. by all this, like, media. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, but... I don't know how you fuck you parent without uh, yeah. that kind of stuff. Cause I would definitely kill my kid. Mm-hmm. I would just like the, I'm the, just going to say before iPads, child abuse was probably higher than it is now. I'd agree. So <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, the no, correlation there. Yeah. But uh, yeah. See you guys next week. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Bye. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this Humorish podcast. If you liked it, check out our other content. You can email your topic suggestions to humorish.tm at gmail.com. You can also find us on YouTube or on Twitter at humorish underscore tm or use the hashtag NoahAsked. The podcast music was Watercolors by Vic Davie.